If you're a Disney Plus subscriber and you're watching The Mandalorian, Jack and I have a podcast for you. Every week, we'll discuss the latest episode of The Mandalorian and talk about other great content and maybe some not-so-great content on Disney Plus as well. As two lifelong Star Wars fans, we have a ton of fun geeking out over all the little details of the show, and we want you to join us every Monday. So search for Disney Plus Reviews. That's Disney P-L-U-S Reviews. Hey, Phil, how about that, Baby Yoda? Baby Yoda says, What's the podcast? The show that brings you in where the magic happens. Welcome to The Writer's Room. Hello and welcome to Sif Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And today I'm joined by Sif Pop writer, Alex. Hello, everyone. Hey, we write for SifPop.com, providing you with movie reviews, best ever challenges, and other interesting movie-related articles. So make sure you check out the website, SifPop.com, to keep up with those. We have a great show for you this week. We're going to start off here in the pictures now. That's good. We're on schedule so far. As always, can't promise too much after that. Then we'll move on to the coming attraction. Where we'll be talking about American Pickle, a new HBO Max original coming out. But then after we're done talking about American Pickle, we're going to talk about our SIF topic, which is a movie from our nostalgic minds that we're going to be talking about, the original Shrek. And then we're going to explore the B-plot, answering a question from you users submitted. We'll wrap up with a spinoff, a quick recommendation or warn for each of us. But first, let's get a chance to know our writer this week. How are you doing this week, Alex? I'm doing great, man. How about you? It's a, It's been a good week. Anyway, hey Alex, when did you realize that you had a passion for writing uh, or for movies in general? So I, I was always loving to rewatch movies growing up. But the moment that I realized that I really loved movies more than just people around me uh, was when they re-released Jurassic Park in theaters. Something about it was like, you have to see this for the first time on the big screen. And I talked somebody into taking me to go see it. And I loved it. And it made me want to keep up with uh, people behind the camera and filmmaking. And I started looking up who were viewers on YouTube were. And it was sort of like a launching pad. And I ended up figuring out who CinemaSins were. And then as soon as they started Sincast, uh, I started listening to that. And that gave me a whole new perspective on filmmaking and a whole lot more, like I said, on who's behind the camera. Ever since then, I've just really loved filmmaking and movies in general. That's awesome. Man, I, I remember that re-release. That was something incredible. I was in high school when that came out. And, man, that was such a cool experience because that still is a second favorite IMAX experience awesome. because I saw the IMAX re-release. And I saw, I saw that in the IMAX 3D re-release. And to this day, that is the best 3D movie I've ever seen. I agree. I really do. I don't know how they did it, but they did. Because it managed to do depth really well, as well as coming out of the screen really well. Most modern day 3D just does depth. So, I don't know how they did it. They did it amazing. And to this day, it's probably my second, and eh, maybe third favorite IMAX experience. Because, man, something about Pacific Rim and IMAX was really cool. But also, like, I saw, talk, talked about this last week with Austin, but I don't like The Dark Knight Rises. But I saw it at the Navy Pier IMAX, which is the coolest theater in the world to me. If you ever get to Chicago, even if it's something crappy in IMAX, go check out a screening at the Navy Pier. So would you get in, uh, involved in writing for Sith Pop? Uh, it feels like kind of like how everybody else did. They were just uh, fans of the Sincast. And then whenever they brought Aaron on, he had sort of that energetic energy. Aaron Dicer, of course. Whenever they brought him on, there was like yeah. that energetic energy 
and he kept talking about his podcast called Sif Pop. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a few listens. And then it, it broke into my weekly, uh, you know, feed of just stuff that I kept up with. And then he was like, hey, we're launching, you know, a website. We're looking for people to write. If you are interested, feel free to. And I was like, well, I've never written for anything, but I'd love to try to, you know, put my hat in the ring. And I won't forget, I sent him the email uh, about being interested. He was like, awesome. If there's any updates, I'll let you know. And he did let me know through Blake. <laughs> and because Blake wasn't in my contacts and sometimes email is weird, it listed him as spam. And it wasn't until two months after everyone started writing. Like I remember when the first article went out, I was like, oh, I guess I didn't get like uh, a message back. That's fine. And then I checked deep into my spam, luckily. And I saw where uh, the old editor, Blake, was uh he was like hey are you still interested and luckily he was still looking for anybody and he still was yeah well you know sip pop kind of always is and right. luckily uh ever since april of 2019 been writing and i'm loving it nice have you done any special articles outside of best ever challenges i was uh i i thought about asking about doing one back when game of thrones did like its one year anniversary and I just realized if you don't have anything nice to say, probably shouldn't say anything. So I never bothered to do anything. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's a chance for being able to say anything anywhere. But yeah, I mean, I think I think Sif Pop is mostly just, hey, we enjoy movies and let's talk nicely about movies. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, I would definitely probably read whatever you had to say about the Game of Thrones finale. Was, yeah, um, I just always like asking that question because I always find the most fascinating things. I mean... Uh, a couple weeks ago, Robert's retrospective on Inception, the 10-year anniversary, was just a really good read, in my opinion. So The only reason, Robert, if you're listening, I didn't get around to it is because I, Inception is still on my list. And I, it's, Oof. I know, I know. I'm going to get there. If they still happen to re-release it in theaters, I would recommend... Yeah. I'll watch it in my VR headset. I'll do it. Okay. You know, that would be okay. Cool, and then I got uh, one other question for you. So what's your favorite type of fruit and why? I think I'm going to go with banana. Okay. Just always, uh, you know, I mean, I feel like it's cliche to say potassium. But, uh, I mean, apples just aren't really my thing. And bananas were just always the easiest for me, especially because I'm a picky eater. And I'm surprised that I even eat a fruit, to be honest. (laughs) Well, there you go. You You heard it here first. Bananas. I'm a pretty big fan of of citrus fruits, so specifically lemons and limes, because I think that, first of all, I love cooking with lemons and limes or making cocktails with lemons and limes, but just in general, I mean, they're they're a good source of vitamin C, and I like sour things, so yeah, I'm that guy that once I squeeze a lime onto my food, I'll eat the lime, and you don't judge me all you want. If it works, it works. (laughs) That's right. Cool. Are you ready to talk about the coming attraction? I'd love to. So this week we're going to be talking about An American Pickle. It's a new movie coming out August 6th on HBO or Max or whatever. I don't know at this point because HBO is confusing about their different platforms. But uh, the, the plot stops for this is an immigrant worker at a pickle factory is accidentally preserved for 100 years and wakes up in modern day Brooklyn. This is Seth Rogen starring and not writing which is kind of surprising to me. But he's definitely starring, uh, as well as Jordan Chacon playing a role in this. Some other people that I don't recognize off the top of my head. This is uh, primarily a comedy movie that's coming out. At least it's supposed to be. 
Alex, what are your thoughts about this movie? Do you think, if this were a theatrical release, do you think you'd be there opening weekend, wait to catch a matinee, save a couple bucks, you'd be okay renting this, wait till it's on something, a streaming you already paid for, or would you just never watch this movie? I think because uh, Seth Rogen, he's usually hit or miss for me, but I, if it was coming out in a period where not a whole lot seems interesting... I could definitely see myself doing a matinee on this because the premise just seems a little bit different than what he's usually doing. Cause every time he usually makes a movie, it, it does feel kind of like he's getting a, a bunch of friends together and hanging out with them. And this one just feels like he's just trying something a little bit different, you know, just to keep sort of the same formula, but stretching it just a little bit, which is why it's piqued my interest enough to maybe possibly want to see it on the big screen. Okay. This could be a rarity for me, but I'm just not interested in this movie at all. There's a chance I might stream it because it's actually going straight to a streaming service that I already pay for. If this were a VOD release, I would not pay for the rental or even just pay to see it. I'm not going to spend any extra money to see this movie. I'm probably just not going to watch this movie uh, just because I don't think none of the comedy from the trailer landed me. Uh, I'm not super interested in this this concept. Um I, I think I think you're right. Seth Rogen is completely hit or miss for me. Like to me, Superbad is way hit, and I think that him and Bill Hader as cops are definitely the best part of that movie. And if there ever was a spinoff to be made, that's the <laughs> one that I want is the is the the cop duo Bill Hader and Seth Rogen. But um, I really like this is the end, and you're right. That one definitely feels like he's just getting a bunch of friends together. But I think there's a there's an element of fun to that. I think there's an element of like you can definitely tell. This isn't just he's doing it for the paycheck. You can tell he's having a good time making these movies. But, um, I don't like Pineapple Express. Um, I actually I have a weird – I kind of like Sausage Party, but I also kind of don't. Uh, I, I, I like The Long Shot quite a bit. Um, I thought that was surprising. The Disaster Artist the night before. Um, I mean, he's generally hit for me. I, just, I think this would be a miss. I don't know. Maybe it's because he doesn't have too many people to riff off since he's playing old-timey person and the new-timey person, so a lot of the scenes seem to be, like, them together. Like, I don't I don't think James Franco is in this anywhere, or, like, Michael Cera or anything like that. Danny McBride, I just... I didn't laugh at all, and I just felt like that was going to be me for this 90-minute movie. So I'm, I'm going to say never watch. Oh, okay. That's understandable. Yeah. The other thing, like, there's not uh, a recognizable writer. There's not a recognizable director. We have... Brandon Trust directing. Uh, he, he's he been a cinematographer primarily, um, and he's done some good shows and some good content cinematography. He's done The Disaster Artist and This Is The End, which I mentioned. He's also the cinematographer for Can You Ever Forgive Me? Uh, and looks like he did some work on Barry and The Righteous Gemstones and Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping and MacGruber. And like these are all movies I love and generally think are pretty funny, except for Can You Forgive Me, which is the exception of both of us. Did some work on American Pie and screen two, the interview. Yeah, this guy's got a pretty impressive like cinematography career, or whatever he's been been working on outside of. But as far as directing, there has been nothing. He did a, an episode or two of Future Man, but I haven't seen that yet. And it's okay. It's on my list. There's a there's a difference between TV and movies, and he seems to have a pretty impressive background but not for directing. And the writer, Simon Rich, uh, looks like he's been an SNL writer for the past 13 years. He was one of the writers for Inside Out. I mean, so that's two positives, but this seems like a very different than Inside Out and probably the best Inside Out stuff 
did not come from him. And your SNL is very hit or miss. So nothing about either of these people particularly excites me in their role. Nor do any of the actors. And this frankly looks like a really low budget movie. I mean, the visually it looks pretty okay. But I mean, you're talking Seth Rogen is probably the majority of this movie's budget. And I can't imagine he costs a pretty penny. So, I mean, is there anything else you want to say about this? I mean, I, I'm totally not interested. I, I don't, I don't have anything more to say. Um, I'm definitely willing because it's going to be on HBO max. I'll definitely give it a shot. I can't guarantee that I'm keeping my eye open for the exact date that it drops. But if it's on, if I'm looking for something like anything and I happen to come across it and it'll probably be advertised on there as soon as you open it up, I'll, I'll definitely be like, yeah, sure, I'll put it on for a few minutes, see if it's my thing. Yeah, this is premiering August 6th, so you know. So oh. that's uh, actually when this episode releases. Oh, that's great. That is the next day. So <laughs> when this episode comes out, tomorrow. How about this? You you check it out, and you let me know if I should. All right. Well, I'm, I'm done talking about this. You ready to move on to Shrek? I'd love to. Cool. We're doing this for our nostalgic movie portion of the show, which the idea behind this is let's find a movie from our childhood that we, for some reason, really loved, and let's see if we should love it in 2020. Let's see if it really holds up, you know, 20 years later-ish, as well as, or 2030, however long the movie happens to be. Let's see if it's going to hold up in 2020 in terms of quality, uh, content, sometimes some really older things tend tend to be pretty racy. And let's just take a look back and also just see, is this worth watching as a 20-year-old or is this something that's great for to watch when you're five and then just kind of leave it in the past and, and not worry about it at all in the future anymore? So uh, Shrek is a 2001 movie. You can currently stream it if you have Peacock Premium. That's the only place you can stream it. But at this point, who doesn't have a copy of Shrek? It's some, somewhere in their house, especially if you have kids. The synopsis of this movie is a mean lord exiles fairy tale creatures to the swamp of an oh, grumpy ogre. Who must go on a quest to rescue a princess for the Lord in order to get his land back. This movie, uh, like I said, came out in 2001. Has a 7.8 on IMDb. Has an 84 on Metacritic and 88% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's based on a 1990 picture book by William Stieg. and inspired three sequels, a spin-off Puss in Boots, and uh, a musical as well. Plus many shorts and theme park experiences uh, that I just didn't feel the need to count. This actually, this actually surprised me. This movie premiered at Cannes Festival. Wow! And was actually nominated like among the best movies that year. Like it didn't win that particular year, but I don't think normally you get pretty like blockbuster animation at Cannes, and so that surprised me. Yeah, and then the fact that it was so highly regarded, especially at something as prestigious as Cannes, you know, that that was really shocking to me. Um, AFI recognizes Shrek as a hero in the 100 Heroes and Villains, or at least it was nominated. In that, uh, I'm a, the song I'm a Believer was nominated 100 Years, 100 Songs. And this movie was nominated in 100 Years, 100 Movies. As well as this is number 8 anima- animated movie in their 10 Top 10 from AFI. That's all AFI. This was nominated for the Best Adapted Screenplay Oscar, which also kind of surprised me. and remember that. As well as this won the very first Oscar for Best Animated Movie over Monsters, Inc. and Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius, as well as some other ones. Mm. But uh, those are two pretty notable ones. And that also shocked me because I was not keeping up with Oscars in, when I was six. So so that's the, that's the overall history of the movie. Alex, what's your history with this movie? 
Uh, my history is simple because of the age. I, of course, just grew up on it. I used to have a Shrek VHS that I would wear out all the time as a kid. That was the two go-to movies as a child for me was I'm watching Shrek or Monsters, Inc. And I don't think that I ever got around at the time to f- figuring out which one I loved more because those two just all synced together so well for me. So I've... You know, like I said, I got that background with it as a kid. And then I think the last time that I saw it was possibly when I was uh, about 10-ish. And the only reason that stuck so well in my memory is because of how many times I've seen it as a kid. And because meme, meme culture itself is just like kinged it, like crowned it as the king of all meme movies. <laughs> Right, it was a really interesting transition. It was the B-movie, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it was Shrek. Yeah, and uh, and for you know preparation for this, I did watch it a week ago so that we could you know see where it holds up. And yeah. I'm really excited to figure out you know where we stand on it now. Yeah, I, uh, I have a pretty similar history with you, with you. This movie came out when I was six, so uh, this is a perfect like six-year-old movie. Um, I mean, it's got your fairy tale aspects, which we'll talk a little bit more later. But um, yeah, I, I don't think I ever got around to seeing this in theaters. I was part of a family of six. And frankly, to go to the theaters as a family of six gets expensive. So we didn't go to the theaters terribly too often when when we were all together. So I don't think I saw this in theaters. Definitely got the VHS like pretty immediately. And yeah, I, I also wore out the thing. I had probably seen it. I would be surprised if I hadn't seen it 30 times. But the last time I'd seen it before uh, yesterday, actually, was sixth grade. So I, I'm probably a little bit older than you. So maybe like, I don't know, 12 or 13. But I, I definitely haven't seen it in high school or college or, or since. Now, the sequels, on the other hand, I, ha- I have seen Shrek 2 several times since then because high school teachers would play that one sometimes while you know working on homework or whatever. So, yeah, I, I think I have a pretty similar experience. I have also, I've seen the first three I've only seen Shrek the Third the once because I remember specifically hating it, <laughs> and uh, uh, I never saw Puss in Boots, and I haven't seen the musical, and I have done the Shrek 4D experience at Universal several times, which is actually like a really cool. If you get a chance to go down, if you get down to Universal, that's awesome. Oh yeah, it's amazing. Uh, I don't know if it actually still is up and running. I could be wrong. I don't. I don't know if it is. Um, it was in 2015, probably, okay. not, but maybe. I went to Universal in 2018, and I don't re- Universal Florida's, and I don't remember it being there. Hmm. But also, it could very well have been there, and I just missed it. I think they might have replaced it with a Despicable Me kind of. When I was there, it was right across from the Despicable Me ride. Okay, so I, mean, I think I might remember seeing it. Anyway, I think it's it's gotta be it's it was a good experience. It should really should be there if it's not, but. What was your experience about it watching it this time? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, think it's just okay? I really liked it. I, I didn't think at first that I would like it as much because going back, you do realize how many, I, I like to call them weak jokes because uh, they don't really have to try too hard to be funny. Like, you know, for instance, I think a weak joke is a fart. And like one of the opening parts of this movie is, you know, Shrek coming out of the outhouse and Shrek farting in the hot tub or whatever. And uh, I was like, Oh no, this is probably not going to go as well. Well, they do have a couple more. 
uh, that didn't, you know, pull it down for me. Uh, I really love the uh, themes that this movie touches on. Uh, I also love that it, you know, goes with that message of, you know, being who you are, making sure that you love yourself how you truly are. And the animation, while isn't, of course, you know, how animation is today, still holds up, in my opinion, as pretty well. Uh, the facial expression, uh, oh God, <laughs> the facial expressions on uh, everyone feels genuine and nice. I think Mike Myers is really good as Shrek. And I just I know that they was originally going to have Chris Farley and I've seen that footage and I just cannot imagine this movie with anyone else than Mike Myers in that role, especially Eddie Murphy and Cameron Diaz. Just I I love all three of them throughout these uh, movies so much. Yeah, I think I had a pretty much the exact same experience as you. I turned it on and there's the fairy tale opening and, I, you know, they try to make some of those some jokes in that. And none of them were landing. And yeah, and then you, and then immediately he comes out of the outhouse. You're right. There's a fart joke, and then he's farting in the in the mud bath. And yeah, I'm just like, I had the same exact thought. I thought, oh, this is not going to go well. And there are some fart jokes. There are some big stinky green giant jokes. There are some jokes that you would expect for a movie that's targeted to six year olds. But as the movie progressed, it, it very much doesn't rely on that. There's a lot to really like about this movie. So I, I'm in the liked it category. I don't think I love this movie. I think there, that it has some issues. I'm kind of shocked that, to me, Monsters, Inc. should have definitely won the Oscar over Shrek this year. Oh, yeah. Monsters, Inc. is a much better, much funnier, much more, I mean, much more original. Yeah, Monsters, Inc. is definitely a better movie. But it's not to say I don't like Shrek. It's just I, I don't know that it is necessarily anything... Super, super special. Well, yeah, I'm going to talk about that a little bit more later. But uh, do you think so, so? So I think we're both probably on the same page that this movie is okay to watch. If you're if you're kind of on the fence, you're like, you know, should I should I have kept it in the past or should I? Is it okay to still watch in 2020 even though I haven't seen it in 15 years? I think we're both good to say, yeah, it's still worth it's still worth watching. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I said, uh, even the way that uh, colors come across in the movie, while isn't over expressive like you know most animated features today uh it sticks to that like one sort of greenish tone for most of it and then uh when we go to the castle you know it kind of brightens up a bit which is fun i i just personally do think this movie you know it holds up pretty decently and i'm so glad that a couple of those weak jokes i mentioned just uh didn't pull it down and even though uh we're i, I plan on focusing on this one uh, I'm glad that it made a really awesome sequel because I did see the sequel about a year ago and I remember thinking, oh man, that's just so good. And of course, I I was seven when Shrek the Third came out and I didn't know like what made a movie good or not, but I knew as a kid, I was like, I just don't want to, I just don't want to watch this one. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know what was good, but you knew that Shrek 3 was not that. <laughs> Yeah, and I never saw Shrek Forever After. It's fine. And so is uh, Puss in Boots. It's surprising how decent that movie is, and it never gets brought up. It really got forgotten. Yeah, I had a friend that liked that movie, but he'll watch Antonio Banderas. <laughs> he'll watch him play with a popsicle stick for an hour and a half. So, yeah, I agree with a lot of the points that you said, uh, and I and I've got some listed down. So I just kind of want to touch on some of the things that you said. So let's start off with animation. Surprisingly, really well. Um, I, I, own, I own this on digital, not 
on a physical and I have it in the HD quality, but and I don't know that that necessarily matters, but it's still, I was afraid it might look a little bit choppy or it might look a little bit, um, not everything so well rounded out, but I think the animation is really good quality. I think they completely achieve what they're going for. There's maybe touches that aren't like very small segments that aren't quite great, but I would believe if this movie was released today, I would. Like, it's, it's, it actually really holds up. You mentioned the voice cast. Uh, I think that the voice cast is absolutely terrific. Mike Myers is is just perfect for this role. I, I have seen the test footage with Chris Farley. I don't remember it, but yeah, I mean, this seems like Mike Myers was just born for this role, and especially like it's so unrecognizably Mike Myers because he's doing such a good accent, and I mean, and you can tell if you know what you're looking for, but. Uh, he's he's really good in this. Um, I, I I don't particularly get anything from Cameron Diaz in this movie. I don't think she's quite hit her stride yet. I think Shrek Two is why that happens, especially because you know now she's just the ogre Fiona, and I think that there's uh, there's a little bit sense of uh, of confidence as well as a little bit more understanding of the character at that point. So I can take her or leave her in this movie. Uh, Eddie Murphy is is a huge standout for me because what the way Donkey is written could have been maybe the most annoying character in movie history, at least animated movie history. But oh, yes, <laughs> but because it's Eddie Murphy and because I'm sure some of the stuff he did was, was ad-libbed and especially his delivery, this, this is definitely the best performance of the movie. He's just perfect. And anytime I think of like wanting to quote this movie, it's always Eddie Murphy joke. Yeah, and my wife even quoted it a couple weeks ago where she, she had a day off. She's like, yeah, we go to we go stay, we go sleep in, in the morning, I'm making waffles. And it was just like like being able to relive that. I mean, just the way that he delivers these lines is just incredible. And uh, and there was most of this movie I think I remembered completely, but there was a couple that I didn't remember for some reason, like the uh, the woman who owned Donkey trying to take him and he like refuses to talk and then he starts flying and it's just like, it just feels so Eddie Murphy. It's really, really good. It's really captivating. I, I do agree. But also, speaking of the voice cast, man, John Lithgow as Lord Farquaad, I had never realized that that's John Lithgow until this viewing, and he, he's terrific. He's uh, he's definitely a standout for me as well. Partly when I watched this movie for the first time, I had no idea who John Lithgow was, but you know, now getting a little bit more acquainted with who he is, he's I would not have expected that, especially since you know, relatively older actor. That was really an interesting revelation because I saw that come up on the t- on the credits. I'm like, who is he playing? And then I, immediately when Farquaad started speaking, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's John Lithgow. And the other thing is you really mentioned the uh, the themes of this movie. That was something that I don't remember as a kid, but I re- they really stuck out to me this time. I mean, the, 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 the theme of identity uh, really stuck out to me as a kid. Uh, so that one really hit home. The the ogre, learn- uh, the Fiona learning to embrace her true self. I thought that was really... Really captivating, that just as well as Donkey, you know, not having any friends. Go that there was a lot of really good themes of identity that I do remember picking up on, because it's very in your face at the wedding. But I don't think I ever picked up on the racist themes that this movie is is trying to say uh, until this time. And I thought that was really timely. I thought that was really really special for this movie, and it's right there. I don't know how I missed it as a Me kid. Either. But I mean, he's talking about they just hate me because of who I am. They're not willing to give me a shot, and I'm just they're like Shrek is a really timely movie in 2021 or 2020. Sorry, I just, I just don't think I expected that. 
it was not one of the things I remembered either, but there, there's a genuine identity specifically with race issue that he's struggling with. And might've been my favorite part of the, about this movie. Yeah. Uh, the race themes as well, I guess, like you mentioned, like that's something that I picked up on when I watched this a week ago that caught me off guard. I didn't notice it at first. And as it kept going, I was like, Hey, yeah, that's totally that. Right. While we're on things that totally went over our heads as a kid, um, the, the humor in this movie, you, you get a lot of those easy jokes, like you call them, a lot of those fart jokes or whatever. There's also a lot of jokes that are, are pretty pretty menial, I think, that both kids and adults can enjoy. Like the the, the people, the, the little puppets singing the doolop song. <laughs> I think I think as a kid, I knew that, oh, what rhymes with grass? Like, that's the thing that should go there, especially in the context. Everything. Like, I think I, I kind of knew that. I thought, oh, that's like a clever joke, and this song is really catchy and all that. I just... Uh, there's a lot of things that completely went over my head though as a kid and as a kid they didn't bother me because they don't when you don't get jokes you're just like eh i don't understand that and i can ask somebody later but as an adult watching this i mean there were some things that i thought like they a lot like i don't remember shrek being this adult i mean it's it's not like overly like i don't think it deserves a pg-13 rating or something like that but specifically the joke when they see lord farquaad's castle and they say i think he's got to be compensating for something I had no idea what that meant as a kid. <laughs> Not a clue. And and there's several other jokes like that that I just... I don't know. D- did those catch you off guard? Uh, they did, um, especially the compensating one. The one that... I didn't realize this on my rewatch. I forget where it was, but it wasn't too long ago. How old were you when you realized that the villain's name is dangerously close to something that is very bad? That, uh, we can't say here. <laughs> I mean, I think probably I probably always knew that. I had three older siblings, and also same time I was watching Shrek was also watching rated R movies. Just there wasn't really a, a censorship in my household, <laughs> but uh, which I've talked about a little bit in the past on on the show. But I I guess as a kid I probably just thought, oh, what a weird name. But I, <laughs> but I probably also knew subconsciously. But I think I'm the exception. Yeah, it was, I think it was around 2016, 2017-ish, I believe. And I'm surprised that they got away with that. You know, just the name itself because of how close it is. Hey, I did want to go ahead and ask you, uh, so you did watch the second movie. Do you think this villain is better than the second movie, The Fairy Godmother? I think everything about the second movie is better. Except for the the beginning chemistry, what I like to call, you know, for when characters meet. I think the beginning chemistry is way better than the existing chemistry for Shrek and Donkey and Shrek 2. Because they're a little bit too buddy-buddy for me in that movie, but I do like that movie way more. Yeah, that movie's definitely better. Um, and, and, you know, I haven't seen it probably in five years, so I I don't know that I can completely agree with what you're saying. Because uh, I, don't, I don't know. I'll just have to watch it and experience. I do. I have a better time with that movie because there's so much fun there. I think that the... Lord Farquaad is not ter- in this movie terribly too much. He's in it less than I thought he was. Yeah. Uh, and the Fairy of Godmother has a huge role, and she's really good at. Lord Farquaad is really is is a really good fairy tale villain because he's hey go do this for me, and then you come back, and then it's just like you get your standoff at the end, and that's it. And he gets, you know, he gets what's coming to him. But the Fairy Godmother is really interesting. A really interesting character because she does most of her work. She has magical abilities, but most of her stuff is through psychological manipulation. 
And that is a really powerful villain if you if you can do that kind of thing so effectively without using your magic as much you know that she uses it some but not not anywhere near as much and i mean everything about shrek 2 is better and i this may be a good time to talk about that i feel like this movie the shrek one is missing something and i don't know if it's because i know that shrek 2 exists or if it's because something just doesn't quite feel right but i I feel a real lack of Puss in Boots in this movie. I think, I think honestly, Puss in Boots is the reason why Shrek 2... Eddie Murphy is the reason why Shrek 1 works really well. Puss in Boots is the reason why 2 works so well, because it's a, it's a different character in this universe that's so much fun, such a delight, and really kind of brings something different to the table. There's also more for the, the fairy tale creatures to do, the, the mice and Pinocchio and Gingy, especially when they meet the Muffin Man and... <laughs> That's one of my favorite quotes to just use out of context. Fire up the oven, Muffin Man! I just love it so much. Just out of nowhere. And same with the first one. The the, not the gumdrop buttons is just one of my favorite quotes to use out of context. But yeah, I just... I think everything about the second movie is better than this one. But that's not to say that this movie is bad. I, I I think it's probably just hindsight. I think it's probably knowing that Puss in Boots exists that makes me feel that lack. I don't think I felt a lack the first 50 times I watched Strike before Strike 2 came out. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I wanted to bring up. I do think that possibly one of my favorite sections of this movie that I didn't realize was as fun as it was is the stuff when they're trying to rescue Princess Princess Fiona from the dragon. That was more exciting than I remembered. Uh, especially the, the bridge scene. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I think uh that's really all i i also as much as i remembered the i am a believer song i forgot the entirety of that ending by the time it came around i don't i have no clue because that song is stuck in my head from this movie and then we get there and it still caught me off guard somehow yeah i remember loving that song sometimes i would watch shrek just to watch the musical ending so I definitely knew it was there, and I knew I liked it. I just hadn't seen it in a long time. While we're talking about the music of this movie, we got to bring up the soundtrack. This is one of the best soundtracks of all time. Everything about it felt like I, I recognized all the songs, and partly because of my memory of this movie being so fun, but also partly because I feel like these are a lot of movies that I remember. I feel like these are a lot of, or a lot of music, a lot of songs that I remember, a lot of songs that are were popular on the radio. They probably spent a ton on on copyright, or at least like. I don't know that All-Star was quite a huge hit when they used it. So I think Shrek kind of made that song as popular as it is, as it was then and somehow in 2020. Um, don't tell Smash Mouth. They hate it when they, when you say that that movie is what made it popular. <laughs> you know, I, I think I think I remember it being in pop culture consciousness, but it was it was never going to like, go platinum or anything like that. But because of Shrek, and I don't know if it how well it did or whatnot, but it, it kind of already had, it, it was probably like, at its peak without Shrek and then Shrek came out and then just a huge resurgence. And then since Shrek somehow resurged in 20, what, 16, maybe yeah, somehow somehow everything involving Shrek. It's still on TikTok. People like to use it there. I imagine. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, just the, everything about this. I mean, there's the, the credit song stay home is, is really fun. Really good. I remember that one a lot. And we talked about the medley at the end. Of course, Rufus Wainwright, uh, singing Hallelujah, iconic, uh, completely. There's a lot of a lot of these songs. This is a really good soundtrack. 
Oh yeah, so good. Uh, Bad Reputation plays during. Oh yeah, I think this movie is also the perfect runtime because this one's ninety minutes on a dot, and I think it's perfect. My memory, my memory served. I thought I remembered this movie being closer to two hours, but that's just because so much happens. I mean, you have everybody coming to the swamp, and then you have um, the the gladiator battle, and you have everything. There's a lot of there's a lot of walking and talking in this movie. But it never seems like enough, and all the walking and talking is very interesting. It's always it's always usually pretty funny. But then then you have once you get Fiona, then all of a sudden you have the 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 sequence at the castle, and then bonding and Shrek falling in love with her, and the inevitable fallout. I thought the last act went really quick. I remember it being quite long, especially like that wedding scene. <laughs> it felt like a really good runtime. I it didn't overstay at welcome. I, I felt it. It didn't overstate its welcome. I felt it also did everything that it wanted to do. Yeah, it, it felt like a nice crisp 90 minutes. Oh, yeah. Especially that wedding stuff. I forgot. Like you were saying, that's super quick. It does enough to you know do what it's got to do, but still pretty quick. I have this as a note. It's definitely a comedy movie. This is definitely a comedy. And it's also a fairy tale and a satire. And it's a really good balance of the both. It's a, it was really I think it's really hard to get that balance of being a satire but also playing into the things that you're setting up. And I think somehow it manages to work it out really well. Uh, especially my wife and I have been watching some fairy some of these fairy tale movies recently because she likes them a lot and a lot of them I haven't seen ever or just recently so we watched Cinderella the Lily James version and because that's her favorite version and we watched um uh, Tangled I'd never seen either of those and like those definitely play into the fairy tale tropes and man, Shrek is just, he's tearing down. Like he's the movie itself is, is playing in a way that plays off of your expectations in a really fun way. So I don't, I don't, I don't remember it being quite as much of a satire, but I found that really appreciative this time. Just two other things I wanted to mention is that, like I said, this is a comedy, but I don't think I laughed at all in this movie. And I think it's because I remembered this movie really well, rewatching it. I think that I had a good idea of what this movie was before rewatching it. But now, I, I don't know, I, I felt like reliving the jokes. And as they were happening, I was remembering them. And it brought back fond memories. I enjoyed myself, but I don't think I ever laughed. And I think it's primarily because of that, because all the jokes were so familiar to me because I've seen it probably 30 times. That's the same with me, but I'll, uh, but I think the only reason I did laugh is because of how they're just so well tuned to my brain and how they always did make me laugh. So whenever I'm hearing Eddie Murphy speak, I'm like, I'm smiling and enjoying it because that's just, you know, that nostalgia feeling, you know? Yeah. The, uh, you know, and maybe I also, I wasn't 100% in the movie this time because I felt like I've seen this enough. Um, I, I kind of know it and I need to watch it, but I also had some other things I needed to do. So it was kind of on in the background for me. I was paying, I was paying pretty good attention to it, but um, I mean, it, maybe if I had sat down and actually dedicated to like, no, my phone's going to go away. Like maybe I would have laughed a little bit more. I just, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think that would have been the case. And the last thing that I want to mention, we've talked about it three or four times by now, but the memes, the glorious memes that this movie has provided us. It was, I love, my wife is not very movie fluent, but she's very meme fluent. And so when we're watching movies, like she'll be like, that's a meme. Or like we're going through Parks and Rec right now. And just, it seems like every single episode, 
something will happen and she'll be like, oh, that's a meme. And it's like, yeah, that is because, you know, it's a meme. You have, to me, the standout, my favorite meme from this movie has always been the uh, Lord Farquaad saying, some of you may die, but that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. <laughs> and, and of course, the whole the whole intro to this movie with All-Star is, is a meme at this point. And uh, there's been plenty of memes up, like just about Shrek that aren't necessarily a quote from the movie, but just, you know. All hell Shrek on Reddit, so <laughs> don't don't go to Reddit and try to badmouth Shrek. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> I would never, except for the third movie. I think everyone doesn't like the third movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if anybody has seen the third movie in ten years. I'm already forgetting that it existed. What are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, to me, Shrek is a uh, is a duo, and that's it. I don't think I have anything else to say. I had a good time. I enjoyed myself. Uh, I don't know how much I'll watch this movie because, again, I think if I'm in a mood for Shrek, nine times out of ten, I'm putting in Shrek 2. I don't know how much I'll wind up watching this, but I, I really enjoyed it. And I think I will continue to. All right. What do you think? Do you think you're going to be watching this more regularly? or I uh, I, I imagine it's something I'll at least put on once every, every few years because it's just I, I'm so glad that I made the decision when we uh, uh, a while back when, you know, I scheduled to, you know, do it what i did was i just went ahead and it was really cheap on amazon i went and bought the the quadrilogy all four movies on blu-ray and i was just saving it for you know the week ahead of this you know podcast and i i think i'm gonna put it in every few years just because it's uh you know it's nice to put on in the background and because you know you, you know it so well you can just look up whenever you're doing something and be like oh that's that part you know yeah, but I also I also didn't find myself distracted when it wasn't on in the background. Like I felt I felt like I was totally okay to I was unloading groceries and slicing fruit and some things like that. And I just I didn't feel a need to stop doing what I was doing. So it, this is a this is a perfect background movie, but also just enjoyable. So cool. Do you have any any final thoughts on this movie? Or are you ready to move on? Uh, trying to think if there's any final thoughts. Uh, the only thing I can say is that. If you like animated movies and somehow this never got to you, I think now is the perfect time to go ahead and give it a shot, at least the first two. And if you can't get into the first one, maybe just read the cliff notes and then go into the second one, because I can see that the first one probably isn't for everyone who's going into it new. I think the problem is by this point, the first one has been either overused in meme culture or a lot of the same things that, that it did has been done in a lot of movies since then. So maybe it doesn't feel super original. I'd venture to say most households have seen a Shrek movie, especially households with kids. All right, well, let's move on to the B-plot. We have a question this week. It's submitted from Joseph, a fellow writer from Sif Pop. And what he wanted to ask is, what, in your opinion, is the greatest movie of all time and why? So, Alex, what do you think is... The greatest movie, or like, if you got like a top five, or just like, what what are some of, to you the best movies of all time, and what makes those movies excellent? I of course have multiple that I would be willing to say that is the best movie of all time, but when it comes down to it, I feel like I'm just gonna have to go with the original Star Wars: A New Hope, and I feel like the easy answer would be Empire Strikes Back, but A New Hope just does so much that's incredible that i feel like we hype up empire just a little bit over it too much because this is just one singular movie back when it came out and it did such a good job at 
introducing you to this world that was just capable of so much more, you know, we're 40 years later and there's so many more stories within that universe that we never knew was possible. I imagine from back then, I mean, of course wasn't alive then, but you know, just from sitting on that movie alone, you can just tell uh, about, you know, just a few minutes in, you know, there's so many stories behind this universe. And not only that, but as in terms of why I say the greatest movie of all time, even though it's clearly not the first time the hero's journey has been used, I think that it's the perfect example on how you should use the hero's journey. Uh, it's got its perfect beginning, middle, and end. I, uh, A lot of people complain that the beginning is a little too slow for them at the start. Again, I, I just see that as into the we're building up this world. We're just giving you a little preview and then we're just going to get our story started. You know, that's mainly how I see it. And like I said, uh, in terms of what makes this a good movie, not only is the movie uh, shot well and its effects are amazing, but it does something that a lot of movies wish to accomplish. And that's also having just an amazing score. And I can almost hear if you just played any scene, I can almost hear the music to any scene of this movie because all of it is just so unique throughout. And all of this just comes together to, you know, blend into what I feel is the perfect, the perfect basis for what any movie should want to base itself off of. Yeah, I think it's a really good pick. And I, I like a lot what you said. Um, I'm going to give a couple off of my top 10. I think it's like I said, Inception's up there. Whiplash is up there. Uh, Looper. Arrival, La La Land, The Nice Guys, Matrix, all these are in my top 10. And yes, there's one black sheep in there with The Nice Guys. But, And I think personally, <laughs> at least the best movie of all time is The Shawshank Redemption. And my list goes by favorites, uh, not what is best, but I still think Shawshank is number one up there. Uh, there's a chance that might change um, just because I do find myself, Shawshank is brilliant. And, and it's great. Um, but also, like, there is a difference between best and favorite in that category. And I just don't know. I enjoy watching that movie. I don't necessarily think about it when I'm not watching it. Whereas I'll think about something from the nice guys and giggle. Or, like, I, I want to think about Inception for the next couple couple days. And, and same goes for Whiplash and, and Looper. And just... I, Shawshank... I'm going I'm to use Shawshank as the example here um, for, for why. And... Man, especially Shawshank is one of those that I don't think anybody was expecting it to be that good. It's it's so high quality. The the writing, the screenplay is really electric. Um, there's something really crisp about the the dialogue, and there's also something really interesting about this world and these these characters specifically. Um, I think Shawshank does a really good job of world building. Um, part of that is because it's ninety percent contained in this one prison and for most of the part it's the cell of the yard there's a really interesting aspect to the world building um, like i said i think the dialogue is really good but honestly it's the characters that really make shawshank as good as it is and, and the themes and messages that the movie has to portray you love andy dufresne morgan freeman's character red he is a character that is instantly iconic and everybody loves and uh, even some of the other guys in the crew that wind up like helping on the rooftops and even have uh, have Brooks's story and the characters really uh, the characters elevate Shawshank to me but like I guess uh, like I said the it, it, as well as characters for the rest of the other movies that's why I love the nice guys so much I think uh, 
Inception is really good at the characters. Whiplash is really great at character building. So characters is huge for me. Uh, pacing is really good. Uh, I think Shawshank is the perfect length. Same with uh, Inception. Same with Nice Guys. I think all of them are the perfect length. Uh, I don't think, and I don't think that there's ever like a dull moment in any of those movies. It's all just my opinion. There has to be that element as well as just each of those movies does something a little bit interesting and is is unique. I mean, Shawshank is an adapted story, and by this point, because it is so widely known and so widely beloved, I feel like if you watched it for the first time and you're you know my age, and especially if you like movies. You might have seen a lot of the same things that's going on in Shawshank. You'd have definitely been spoiled by the ending, but that doesn't ruin your experience. And I also think with Inception, I mean, we'd never seen anything like that. And it's such an original movie. It's such a, it, it's such a fascinating, really kind of breaks a lot of concepts. It, uh, there'd never been a movie like it before. It's so original. Whiplash would, took something uh, and did something really interesting with it. Same with Looper, the nice guys, just, there's such good chemistry and I love the setting. They do a really good job at world building. There's mystery involved. And I mean, I laugh my ass off every time I watch the nice guys. I, it's a combination of a lot of things. There is no one thing that makes any particular movie great. Uh, it's a combination of a lot of things. And ultimately, if I can care about these characters and their story, that's going to make me like a movie. And I think I think primarily that's why I don't like horror movies is because when I watch horror movies, there's usually nothing redemptive about the victims. You know, I don't necessarily want to root for them to survive, which you know, I, sh- I feel like I should do that, like given that they're a human being, but they just don't really feel like humans. They don't feel like people. And, you know, I think part of the slasher genre is making you want to love the villain. But characters are the most important to me, but it's not just characters. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you on the... For me, what sells a story the most at this point is if I don't like these characters, then I really don't want to be here. And while I, I do want to go ahead and get out of the way, I still haven't seen Shawshank. And I was this close to watching it. And then Netflix decided about a month ago or whatever to just remove it. And it was like the day after. I was like, all right, I'm going to go watch this. It was gone. It was on my list amazing timing <laughs> yeah and well and same goes what what we were saying about characters same goes with star wars that you mentioned man i i don't think the original trilogy is anywhere near as good without the characters of luke han and leia and mark hamill harrison ford and carrie fisher i mean it's just and talk about characters i mean darth vader is maybe the most iconic movie character of all time i mean just star wars is great yeah. but the characters elevate that franchise yeah and a couple of people that I have met that have tried to get into star Wars nowadays that never did grow up with them. Uh, a few of their complaints were that while the characters, like there's not an issue there, uh, a few issues that people find today are like, well, some of the dialogue didn't age as good. Like, you know, in terms of the way that people speak, but I disagree. I went back and uh, watched, I marathoned all nine for the first time on May the 4th this year, because it was the first May the 4th in all nine where, you know, you could watch them. And I forget the small moments. There's like a moment in the Millennium Falcon where Han and Luke are just having this exchange back and forth. And it just feels so natural and written smoothly. And my brain forgot about it completely. I I forget if it's before they get on the Death Star or after, but uh, it's a small little scene that I'm like, wow, I, 
I'd, I would love to see more of that. Uh, but, you know, I also love everything else about these movies. So I'm like, yeah. It's well, fine. and the interesting <laughs> thing while we're talking about Star Wars and characters is characters are given different things to do in every movie. And oftentimes the characters are broken up. And with the prequel trilogy, I mean, it's Anakin and Obi-Wan pretty much always together, uh, except for Revenge of the Sith. Um, but they're they spend a lot of time together, but they individually act in, interact with the Jedi council. And then with, uh, with the villains of the movie or with the Padme, like there's, there's different people that they interact with. And, uh, and so you get different interactions, you get different situations to be put in. And um, with the original trilogy, I mean, they did a really good job of the first movie kind of has uh, Han and Luke start off and then you add Leia to the crew and they're just kind of together, but Empire splits them up and Luke is not with them for most of the movie. And so you really get to see Luke be his own character and then Han and Leia be separate. And then of course, when Han gets frozen in Carbonite, now you have just Luke and Leia together for the start of Return of the Jedi. That's, that's kind of the way it is. And with the with the, the sequel trilogy, the same thing when I mean, you have Finn, uh, Finn and Rey primarily being in Force Awakens, but then Finn... Or Ray goes off and does her own thing in the Last Jedi, and then you get like Finn and, and Poe together because Poe comes back and uh, uh, and then in the Rise of Skywalker, you kind of th- there are some deviations. I mean, they're mostly together, but Ray's kind of doing her own thing sometimes. Uh, Finn sometimes there's the characters work really well to both together and individually, and that's just a real good testament to uh, to why those characters are so iconic. Well, hey, uh, we're going to wrap up here with uh, with a quick spinoff. So, Alex, what is one thing in the world of pop culture that you want to tell everybody to please go see or to please just never see this? Well, speaking of spinoffs, I did. Uh, I finally am finally caught up because whenever I would catch up with this show, it would usually be about a season behind because Netflix wouldn't add it. But I went out of my way this time and I bought the extra season because I was so invested. I'm finally caught up on better call Saul and oh man, it is like, it is probably the pinnacle of TV right now. It's just so good. And it has no right being as good as it is for a spinoff because I sometimes forget that this is a spinoff. That's how good it is. Um, I think that Bob Odenkirk as Saul Goodman and Jimmy McGill is just so good great uh reese Seahorn, i believe her name is uh who play who plays opposite of him uh is so good in the latest season she was always really good but it gave her a whole lot more to do it feels like in the last two seasons of this show and i really hope that she gets an emmy nomination as well as uh the supporting cast uh, i really uh like all together Everyone in this show is just so good. I feel like you got John Carl Esposito, who's just, of course, doing you know what he does best from Breaking Bad, and the same goes for uh, Jonathan Banks as Mike Ehrmantraut. But uh, a few of the standouts are Michael Mando, I believe it is. He plays this character called Ignatius, or Nacho is his nickname. He is so uh, you just want him to just make him way out of bad situations you know he isn't perfect he's flawed like the rest of us he's of course you know he's gotten accidentally you know he made his way to the bad side of things and you can see that he's just really just trying to just break away from it and i forget who it is who plays this uh new character but there's this new uh actor who came who comes in at the end of the season four and he plays his character lalo salamanco 
And from like the first scene with him, you were just in for a treat for how you just, you really want to hate this guy because he's just given it everything. And it's so good. Yeah. Well, I'm hearing enough recommendations of better call Saul that I might just have to check it out one day. One of the complaints, and this was my complaint when I started it, because I started it when it first came on air. I watched it uh, the first night they did the double feature premiere episode. And I dropped off about like episode four. And it, I just, everyone was like, it's getting better. It's getting better. And around season four is when I was like, all right, I'm doing this. I watched the first three seasons and it didn't take until like halfway through season two. My, my problem was as this is in the breaking bad universe. It's gotta be like breaking bad. No, I am so thankful. That this is not just breaking bad again. And sometimes it can feel like that because there's two different main storylines. There's what's going on with Jimmy McGill with Bob Odenkirk. And then there's stuff that's going on with Jonathan Banks character, Mike, that does feel more breaking bad. But it doesn't feel exactly like it's just trying to copy the formula. Uh, and just altogether, uh, I personally, uh, because all my knowledge that I do know of Breaking Bad, I don't know if this works as well on its own, but I'd be really excited for anybody who hasn't seen Breaking Bad to go watch the show first. And when it wraps up, then go watch Better Call Saul. Because all these things that tie in, I don't really feel like they feel shoehorned. They feel so natural and they feel like it's its own story just trying its best to just present something to you it's got a little bit of nods of course but still it still feels natural in my opinion okay i never got into the show because i don't particularly like breaking bad uh which i talked about with shane on uh, a couple weeks ago's episode but the uh the thing that i want to talk about today is i have been watching some stand-up comedy with my wife on Netflix, and I mean, Netflix is currently the king of stand-up comedy. It used to be HBO, but then for some reason, they just stopped doing it as often, I guess, for some reason. And then as soon as Netflix kind of realized that some of the stuff that they, that they had not necessarily produced, but gotten access to, were doing so well that they started producing their own stuff, and everybody who's anybody has a stand-up special, and some people, some, comedian, some comedians just aren't good at stand-up, but... Um, <laughs> There's a guy I really like, and I've probably seen each of his specials three times now. And I, I watched them this third time because I was watching them with my wife. Um, his name is Mike Birbiglia. And I mentioned him a couple weeks ago because I mentioned uh, this movie called Sleepwalk With Me. I mentioned it when uh, when Ben and I were talking about the Watchmen episode because um, we were reviewing, pre, uh, doing the coming attraction for Palm Springs, which which Kristen Milioti is in Palm Springs Sleepwalk With Me. Mike Birbiglia is... He's, he's really interesting. He's not like any other comedian out there. Probably the closest I could get to is a really lazy John Mulaney. Because like, Mulaney is my favorite stand-up comedian out there. But he's really like energetic and smart and creative and thoughtful. And Mike Probilli is really creative and also smart. Uh, he's, just, he's just a little bit more of a, of a lazy guy. And that kind of shows in some of his comedy as well as a lot of his posture and things like that. Um, but he's got four specials on Netflix. I'd recommend watching them in order because he does this other thing too, where I think that Mulaney is the funniest person out there, but there's not necessarily a lot of like, you don't necessarily get to know him as, as a person outside of comedy. You don't necessarily get to hear a lot of the stories of like, just kind of what's going on in his life, which I think helps a comedian. 
Uh, and Mike Brabellia does a really nice balance of he tells stories of his life and walks through his life, but does it in in joke form. And so his first stand special, it's called uh, What I Should Have Said Was Nothing, was about him and just his experience kind of growing up and getting to the point that he is today uh, with starting stand-up comedy. And then there's one called My Girlfriend's Boyfriend, which is about him kind of starting his uh, – a relationship with this girl. And, uh, and then there's thank God for jokes, which is about him turning from a relationship to a marriage. And then uh, this new one is called the, his, his newest one is called the new one. And it's about him starting a family. They have a child and kind of what goes along with that. They're each uh, the first two are an hour. Uh, I think the first three are an hour. The, the fourth one is an hour and a half, but it's just such a delight. It's such a joy. He's really funny. He, he definitely gets better. Which each with each special. So if you watch the first one, you're like, I didn't laugh as much. Like, please give the second one a shot because he he gets better. You can see a progression in terms of his his jokes, in terms of quality and quantity. Um, he gets really good at it, and he gets really good at recurring jokes. And he's he's just really smart and funny. And he has maybe my favorite moment from any stand up special ever in his in the new one uh it's just out of nowhere it's a visual joke um so it's definitely my favorite visual joke that's ever happened from stand-up because that you don't get that terribly often and it's just pulled off so well and i don't want to spoil it to you but just randomly about half just make sure you watch him like don't just put him on passively in the background maybe for the first two you could do that but like actually watch him because you'll also start to see some of his mannerisms and I really like him. He's made some really good movies. Uh, he's, he's written and directed sleepwalk with me and don't think twice. Both are pretty highly regarded among people that have seen them. Um, so just, but his specials, they're all available on Netflix. Um, Netflix produced the last two. Uh, they did not produce the first two, but he's really funny. I'm really excited for anything he comes out next. Um, and he might even be a face that you might recognize because he was in uh, he had a very, very, very tiny role in Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping because anybody who's anybody had a very tiny role in that. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and you might just recognize seeing him from some some other things and some comedy movies. But go check out Mike Birbiglia, B-I-R-B-I-G-L-I-A on Netflix. Awesome. But that's a wrap. It's a quick reminder that Simp Pop Writers Room is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast feed. If you're interested in writing for SipPop.com or you want to get in contact with us, maybe send us a question to explore during the B-plot, then email us at writersroom at SipPop.com. If you want to help out the show, uh, help support the show, help out with some costs that we pay for out of pocket, such so as fees, equipments, and rentals, you can Venmo me at Schweitcastle. Or email me or DM me on Twitter for my PayPal address that you can send uh, send that to. Um, all the all of what you send to us will be going toward back into the show. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Schweitcastle as well. That's S C H White Castle, like the restaurant that Harold and Kumar go to. Um, but uh, but where can people catch up with you, Alex? So you can find me on Twitter at aman1501 underscore and that's just a capital a and everything else is lowercase and also uh i do have a youtube channel it's aman reviews and stuff i'm doing some stuff over there from time to time i talked about the director's cut of dr sleep i finally got around to reviewing rise of skywalker those are two that if you want to jump into those are the two best i can recommend right now 
Awesome. Well, it's been great having you on the show. Really love talking with you about uh, about Shrek and American Pickle and Star Wars and everything that we got the chance to talk about. So, um, yes, yeah, so I really appreciate having you on, and uh, looking forward to the next time that you're on, and looking forward to all the all the articles that we're going to keep writing for Sif Pop. And uh, quick reminder: go check out those uh, again. But uh, you know, until until next time, back to the writers' room for us. Oh, 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 oh